there's a line in the show about not wanting to come out because I don't like the concept and I don't have any words for it. And I'm always afraid. This is a feeling that I had early on and it comes up in the show. Afraid of kind of reasoning myself out of existence before I can explain to someone else what my existence means. And I think that's something that has been quite difficult is that explaining to people that I'm not coming out as one thing and I don't I don't know where I'm going to end up with my gender or with my anything of the way I present and anything about me and that has been the most difficult thing to explain because I think I, me included most people we like to have a fixed idea of someone mm-hmm. and we like to kind of pin them down and think of them in one certain way um and it's nobody's fault that's the way the world works so i think explaining that transformation has been a little bit difficult but i have had so much love and um a lot of willingness to learn which i feel very lucky for from my parents and from my family and from my friends outfest is a queer theater festival kicking off april 26th at the bus stop featuring multiple shows from multidisciplinary artists that reflect the queer community past and present in halifax Two of the artists involved will stop by to talk about being a pandemic queer, presenting a festival in said pandemic, and what you can expect to see. I'm Tara Thorne, and this is The Tideline. Hey folks, welcome to this week's show. My guests are writer and performer Katie Clark and Isaac Muley, who is the artistic director of Page One Theatre, which is the company producing Outfest at the bus stop. Katie will be here to tell us all about their show in person, and Isaac will give us the rundown of the entire festival. Just so you know what's up, you can buy tickets now. Individual tickets start as low as $5. That is for an online screening. And the highest end is 20, and you can go to eventbrite.ca to check that out. June Body is about to head out on tour in support of its latest album, Never Here for Long, kicking off with a hometown farewell show tonight at the Seahorse alongside Post Fun and Persephone. Here's something from that record. This is Flickering. Like any other but a star moved out of the sky So I flash back to every moment in the past I could have changed to save his life And I woke up to a call from my mother as she spoke I could hear her cry She begged me to call her anytime Even if it meant Grand. 
traffic Sometimes the world sucks away all the magic You were beautiful, you were love I miss you, I can hear you so clearly And every day now There's pain that can be Isaac Muley is the artistic director of Page One Theater, the company producing Outfest April 26 to May 1 at the bus stop. Katie Clark is the writer and performer of Can You Remember How We Got Here, running daily through the festival. They both join me now in studio. Isaac, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Katie, hello. Hello. I'm so glad to have you both here. Isaac, I'm going to start with you because you are the artistic director of Page One Theater. Yes. Which is a new company in town because you are also new-ish to town. Tell me about that. I am. Yeah, I moved in February of last year uh, from uh, Kitchener. I was, I'm one of those folks that has left Ontario to move to the East Coast. We love it. Yeah. What made you move here? Uh, just the pandemic, but also just wanting a change of life. Uh, I'm sure anyone that's visited Ontario can attest. (laughs) (laughs) It's very busy. Uh, life is just go, go, go. And so it was something on my mind for a while. Um, you know, rent went up, all those kinds of things. Uh, so you came here where the cheap rent is. I did. And then (laughs) (laughs) that's no longer a thing. Right. (laughs) Was it at least still a bit of a thing when you moved here? It was comparable when I moved. Yeah, okay. It was about the same. So I, I was very happy about that. Right. And tell me about Page One Theater. And Outfest is actually an event that you've produced many times in Kitchener. Yeah. So uh, we've been around for uh, seven years. So this is kind of like our, our eighth. Uh, and Outfest was started because the community I was uh, living in at the time, even though we had uh, half a million people, uh, our largest pride event had been canceled. There was really no opportunities for queer artists or for the community to gather and do anything at all. Uh, and so out of this need to to do things, to have events, um, we didn't even have a bar. You know, bars are really helpful in the, you know, the queer community. They've, they've been that place where people can have, you know, drag nights, comedy nights. Mm-hmm. They can be that multi-purpose space. So not even having that for people to go to, there really just was this need to do something. Uh, and so Outfest kind of uh, started off providing that opportunity for people to share. Uh, you know, the the first season, we were just kind of looking to see who was looking to submit, what kind of artists we could connect with. And then, yeah, just over time, we've just continued to grow and focus a little bit more on theater and dance and um but also, we always leave it open to see what people are are looking to submit. So um, working with artists that say, you know, I have an idea for something, I don't know what it is, and just trying to see how it fits in. So uh, when I moved here, um, I didn't I didn't really see that there was anything here. It felt like Outfest could fit in. I think there was a festival here a couple of Clear years X, ago. We miss it, yeah. Yeah, and I'd connected with some people about it, kind of wondering, you know, what was the status? Is it coming back? Is it something that Page One could help support? And um, yeah, and I, I just, you know, the ball just kind of started rolling. I connected with Park, which is the Playwrights Atlantic Resource Center, uh, and they were willing to help support with workshops, which is something that we provide throughout Fest and. Yeah, the ball just kind of, as I said, started rolling, and uh, and here we are, about a week out from festival launch. So yeah, uh, putting together a festival, 
in this time <laughs> where I, I'm trying to think, even just the time that you've been here, I think there's been kind of two official lockdowns. It's been, thing. the, the rules have changed. We all know that. The arts have been the last thing on the minds of the of of the government and Dr. Strang et al. Um, yeah. Were you always working towards these dates, or has this shifted around a bunch? Like, how did you actually program it? How are you able to sort of um, promise people, yes, there will be a festival? <laughs> uh, yeah, there was uh, a time like I really wasn't sure what to expect um, come spring, uh, but yeah, we we've always programmed Outfest outside of. Um, outside of when pride usually happens. Mm -hmm. So we put it in the springtime, you know, uh, pride for queer people is all year round. It's not just during uh, pride season. So it's always been this spring sort of uh, time frame. And we, I've always been upfront with the artists and saying that the goal is to have in-person performances. You know, maybe it's going to be a reduced audience. Maybe um, there's going to be a larger gap between shows so that there's more time for, you know, patrons and people to leave the space just to keep it safer. Um, so we've always sort of, uh, work towards uh, these dates and kind of having an in-person show. Um, originally we were going to have an improv show on the Wednesday and I, you know, I, you know, the, the second lockdown in the, in the winter. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like what if by spring things aren't open and what if we can only have like 30 people? So mm. then, you know, it was like, well, if we eliminate sort of the improv show, then it gives everyone another performance opportunity. So it kind of balances out getting maybe more people in person into those spaces. Um, and one of the great things about the bus stop is that they retrofitted the theater with uh, cameras during the pandemic. And so I always knew that as a backup plan, we could always stream things mm -hmm. um, for people that wanted to tune in for from wherever or even within the city if they didn't feel comfortable coming. And that is still an option now. Yeah, it's still an option now. And it's great because we have two, we have an artist coming from New Brunswick and from Newfoundland. So just for, um, you know, their home fans, there are people that are rooting for them, you know, in their show that they can kind of tune in from from there as well and, and see the show. Cool. And what was the submission process like? Was it sort of a blind thing or did you curate it? No, it's always been uh, open-ended. We've always tried to never say, you know, we're looking for shows that are about water or light or you know i think <laughs> talking about shows that are about light it's very hard like i just i just i don't uh it's just never been part of the process it's always been very open-ended the only thing that we sort of you know i guess um in terms of submissions is maybe you know the length of the piece so trying to keep you know newer pieces to that uh 30 40 minutes and then something that's a little bit has had a little bit um more time to develop mm -hmm. uh maybe closer to an hour um and then this the submissions are blind so everyone that submits um the the selection committee has no idea who it is oh wow uh and so we worked with um uh annie valentina who was the festival dramaturge and santiago guzman who is the artistic director of todos productions from newfoundland mm -hmm. and then we have two board members glenn's glasgow and natasha putzka uh, who were involved in sort of helping us select and reading all the submissions and you know what did we think fit um and we do that because like I am not, you know, I do not represent and I I have not had the lived experience of our entire community, right? So bringing in different people to look at the pieces and say, I think this would fit really well because this is something we don't see or these are stories that are untold and we sort of all work collaboratively to kind of decide uh, what the lineup uh, should be. And did you notice a theme emerge from the things that were submitted? Like were they a lot of isolated one-person shows? <laughs> <laughs> 
well, you know what's interesting in the in the beginning when we did the show, uh, when we did the festival story, um, there was a lot of stories about coming out, and that was, um, you know, we were meeting the artists where they were at, and as the as the festival has continued to grow, we're seeing more diverse stories within the queer community, so other experiences. So, you know, we have a show about how queerness is never ending, right? <laughs> how it's a, how it's a continuous, you know, learning for all of us, and we have a show about you know a parent and a child, and uh, you know, and then you know Skylark song that's about you know you know meshing your culture uh in a new country and so there isn't really a theme all of the pieces are unique but what we're seeing is stories that you know are about being queer and you know deeper um um as i call it incidental queerness sometimes yeah sometimes yeah Yeah. absolutely where it's just like it's just a life (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's just here i am living and here's this other thing going on right and no they're not all one person i mean i think i think skylark's song has you know four performers so i also am not deriding one person shows by the way it's just like if i were going to submit that's what i would submit it definitely was something to consider right like oh how many performers can you have on stage how many people can be in the space i don't know and Mm -hmm. yeah so it was just one of those things that we'll see how things go and yeah all right katie tell me about your show it's called can you remember how we got here yeah um it's interesting i originally submitted it as a monologue to um just an open submission call i don't even remember what it was for and it was the question they posed was are there queer stories that aren't coming out stories Mm -hmm. that are, yeah, incidental queerness. Uh, The least interesting part of me is my queerness. And I think for me, I I say that sometimes and other times I, that's totally not the page that I'm on because the show, Can You Remember How We Got Here is all about um, queerness as a way of being in the world, not just a sexuality, not just gender, but um, I talk a lot about queerness as becoming, hmm. queerness as a way of being in space, of being in relationships, of being in a body. Um, yeah, so the show is about uh, someone who is reckoning with their queerness and they're falling in love with their best friend who is straight and they have always thought of themselves as a straight person, uh, a straight woman. And they reckon with their identity and their love and their sense of place in the world through their body and through the way they present. So it's asking a lot of different questions, but it's asking, what would I be if I had nothing to prove? Hmm. What would I look like if I wasn't here in this place? How would I interact with the world if I wasn't trained to do it in such a way? Um, Yeah, and it takes place in the main character's bedroom, and we follow them as they're getting ready to go out for the night. Mm -hmm. Is this – what's the age of this piece? Is this something like that came out of the pandemic for you? Have you been working on it for a while? It is a pandemic piece, Uh certainly. Um, (laughs) I am a pandemic queer. Probably so. (laughs) I will say it. Whatever it takes, I say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I – it's very much a pandemic piece. I started writing it in January 2021, probably. Um, and I've developed it over the course of the year, especially the workshops were incredibly helpful mm-hmm. with Page One and with Annie Valentina. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I realized that I was queer in January 2021. And I think there's a lot of the slowness 
and the slowing down that was kind of forced upon a lot of us and definitely not all of us in the mm. pandemic. But in, in my case, that was the situation and it made me reckon with a lot of things that I had been avoiding reckoning with. Interesting. Mm. Um, I want to talk a bit, just we'll put, just pause that for a quick second because you made a, uh, a little documentary with your partner, T. Thomason. We're a big fan on this show. Amazing. Everyone, everyone is. <laughs> Who isn't a big fan of T. Thomason? <laughs> I have that question. Uh, called uh, Lovers, an Ode to... Queer Connection in Pandemic There times. you go. Um, so does, does, does this show pre or post date that? It kind of came about at the same time. Tandem. In tandem. <laughs> yeah. what, what, did, what did that make, putting that together, asking people, I think it was just sort of an open call, like send me your, send me your thoughts, send me your videos ab about being queer in pandemic times. How did that inform this piece? I think it really gave me a sense of my queerness is mine, but it also mm. interacts with the world around me. And it in as Isaac was saying in Kitchener, there and here as well, we have lost a lot of our queer spaces. Mm. And it really made me feel like I was connected to a community that wasn't really there with me when I was first coming out. And T obviously was there with me and I have a lot of queer friends and loved ones. Um but to hear from folks who are in all of these different situations living their queer lives in all sorts of different ways was really wonderful mm. and really, I think, allowed me to think about my queerness in new ways and think about the story that I was writing with Can You Remember How We Got Here in a new way. This is maybe too personal, and if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. But, like, how <laughs> – how, I mean, you're – so – this hasn't been a life that you've lived in for very long, but you're 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 coming at it with in a very deep, thoughtful way. How has the reaction been in your life? Like your family? Is there, you know, we talk about coming out stories. I think the reason why they kind of have died off is that it's not it it still happens, but it's not something that's so horrible to people's mm -hmm. families and, mm -hmm. and, and communities anymore. It's sort of like, yeah, okay, cool. Like next. Like what was your experience? That's the sort of personal yeah. question that you don't have to answer. No, that's that's okay. And I think it, it definitely relates to the show as well. There's a line in the show about not wanting to come out because I don't like the concept and I don't have any words for it. And I'm always afraid – this is a feeling that I had early on and it, it comes up in the show – afraid of kind of reasoning myself out of existence before I can explain to someone else what my existence means. And I think that's something that has been quite difficult is that explaining to people that I'm not coming out as one thing and I don't I don't know where I'm going to end up with my gender or with my anything of the way I present and anything about me. And that has been the most difficult thing to explain because I think I, me included, most people we like to have a fixed idea of someone mm -hmm. and we like to kind of pin them down and think of them in one certain way. Um, and it's nobody's fault. That's the way the world works. So I think explaining that transformation has been a little bit difficult, but I have had so much love and um, a lot of willingness to learn, which I feel very lucky for from my parents and from my family and from my friends. Most of my friends are queer and trans people. That I don't know if that's true, but a lot of my close friends, in especially in the city, are queer and trans people, which I'm super grateful for. Mm -hmm. And I guess the last thing that I would say about coming out is I think there's sometimes kind of diminishing of coming out now because it's like, oh, but coming out, everybody's it's queer. Deal. It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. 
I think that it really can be a big deal because they're still so, and I think it should be celebrated because to pretend that it's not a big deal is to pretend that homophobia and transphobia and all of these different right. intersecting things don't exist, um, which, yeah. So I think coming out stories are still really important, but also telling stories of being in the world as a queer person are important. Well, it's interesting too, because it's also, you know, looking at the state of the world and where things are too, right? And in, you know, not to, you know, uh, left turn too much, but even looking at places like Florida, right, where they can't even say gay and things like that. So obviously there's still a place for coming out stories. There's still a place, I think, for people to go through that process. And, um, you know, there's still places in the world where it's extremely difficult for people even to just say that they're queer, say that they're gay, um, to, you know, explore, you know, what that means for themselves. So, yeah. This is why I'm a staunch defender of the controversial Christmas film, Happiest Season. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Oh. I have many thoughts. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes, that movie, you could have a whole... We could talk uh, off air about that podcast. <laughs> a full series. I would love to host that. <laughs> oh, I just... um, so you, was there ever a moment, you're starring in this, was there ever a moment where you're like, maybe I should... Give it to someone else. Oh, absolutely. I'm actually thinking that right now. Okay. <laughs> um, it's one week till the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, absolutely. Originally, I wasn't going to act in it. I feel um, I didn't want to direct myself. And I'm mm-hmm. working with um, my co-creator and director on this show is Adrian Vanos. And they are my best friend, love of my life, um, someone that I really trust deeply. And we work really, really well together. And from the beginning, I was asking them and asking them, should we have someone else? Can we direct Mm. someone else together? Can we create with someone else? And their original, they kind of came down to it and they were like, I don't think it's going to work with someone else right now because I think you have a lot more exploring with this piece to do Mm. and to get it where it needs to be, it needs to be you. And I'm glad that I have done it and I'm glad that I'm figuring it out and doing it next week hopefully (laughs) um it's just a tv and you're reading it (laughs) yeah but it is um it's really intense to Mm -hmm. do and i i notice that it is um quite as a lot of theater is as performing is uh it's quite draining Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it's something that i'll perform again But I'm glad – I think I needed to figure it out this time and put the pieces together. And it's really a show that I'm trying something. Uh, Adrian and I are trying something, and we'll throw it out there, and we'll see what sticks. And then (laughs) we'll go from there. (laughs) And you're all – speaking of draining, you're also apprentice directing Rocky Horror at Neptune. Just a tiny little show with no one in it. Just a tiny little show. How are you how are you keeping those things apart? Like I would be I would be consumed by the one person show personally, but you also have you have this big thing to do in your day job. Yes. Uh it is actually I think good because I think that the one person show would eat me alive if I would be very consumed by it, <laughs> if I was not doing Rocky. And also mm. what's really nice about Rocky is to be in a room with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. We're masked. Mm. We're distanced, but to be in a space with a lot of artists and makers and people that are make it exciting to be alive and make me want to be in theater mm-hmm. is so incredible. And we also have um, a lot of queer and trans cast members, which is 
I didn't realize how safe that makes me feel in a room, mm-hmm. um, especially to have other trans folks there is is really, really special. Um, so it feels like the two things are kind of holding me together, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Amazing. Um, Isaac, give me the rundown of the rest of this festival. Uh, yeah, so we have, so there's Katie's piece that's part of our emerging stage. And then we have another one, uh, A Beginner's Guide to the Night Sky. Colleen McIsaac, huge <laughs> like fan. Colleen McIsaac. Yep, huge uh, fan. And then we have uh, Skylark Song. Uh, Colleen's piece is, is the one about, um, <clears throat> between the parent and the uh, child relationship. And then Skylark Song by McKenna James Bruckner is coming from uh, New Brunswick. And that is a with piece. Michael Lake at the helm. I yes, see, big yes. fan of him too. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Gary Williams and Ryan Gallant, and um, so that is the piece that sort of is about um, this person that has moved away from, I believe it's um, Manitoba, uh, and sort of the enmeshed sort of cultural uh, between being Polish and being uh, Canadian and trying to understand their things and sort of these parallel stories between a younger person and a, and a older um, couple. Uh, and then we have deeper from uh, Robin Vivian coming from uh, Newfoundland Labrador. And, oh, and then also on Tuesday, we have our two spirit stage, uh, which is going to feature, uh, we have a singer, we have some shadow puppetry, and we're also screening a short film, uh, from, uh, from my hometown. Well, from where I was before in Kitchener, uh, it's called <laughs> where I used to be. <laughs> well, it's like my hometown, but I grew up in, Mil- you know, home and where does home, all those things. I was like, where am I anymore? <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, a it's a short film called Landback Stories and it's by, uh, Indigenous and two spirit um, creators, activists, artists as well, sort of speaking about what does land back look like? What does it mean? Um, yeah. Are passes still avail- available or are we down to single tickets now? Yeah, just single tickets okay. now. Yeah. At Eventbrite. Yes. And cool. you can go to our website and it has all of our information about each show, cast members, uh, where you can get your tickets. Yeah. And is your goal to, is this sort of a, a see how it goes kind of vibe before you commit to, you know, making this an annual event or is it your goal to, to do it every year? No, it's our goal to do it every year. Yeah. That was one of the things when, uh, in, in Kitchener, um, you know, someone had done a festival similar about six years prior, uh, and then it just, ended um and i was kind of like well and i in 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 festivals like this and anything takes you know a lot of energy and a team of people to do it and so i understand why it ended and and i was you know when it when it started back up again i thought well we can't have this end and i feel the same way here right when we look at the need and when we you know hear the feedback from people and even the folks that are connecting with us and saying like you know i'm so excited to see this and even your reaction right that you know queer acts isn't here anymore and this is really exciting to have this mm-hmm. um and so it's definitely our goal to you know look at things that went well things that we could do better how can we grow it um you know and um yeah, I continue to support, you know, emerging and uh, established queer artists here and the, the stories they want to tell. Cool. And and does Page One have anything after this or has this been your, your whole focus? Uh, <laughs> this has been my focus. <laughs> Nervous left. <laughs> well, this, this has been my focus. Yes. And we, we do have other uh, projects coming up. Um, we've been working for about four years now on a show called There Are No Gays in Chechnya, uh, which is about the ongoing gay purge in that country. Uh, in January, I was actually speaking with a survivor that's living in Toronto right now. I've uh, been speaking with survivors in Holland. Uh, so we're actually going to be presenting a, a staged uh, reading of that as part of stages with Eastern Front Theater in June. Um, yeah, and then hopefully some other things that I'm lining up. 
Excellent. All right. Well, um, I never know what the the thing to say is well-wishing-wise with theater, so I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) I hope it happens. Me too. (laughs) Honestly. I hope you show up, Katie. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully somebody's there on stage saying words. Yep. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, this is called Outfest. You can get single tickets now, and it starts April 26th, and it runs to May 1st. Thank you both so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. is engineered by Palmer Jamison at the Golden Palm and produced by the Halifax Examiner.